Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 18th of October 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 354. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. It's 15.59 hours here in London. Bit of a gloomy day, some light rain here. I think there's been more rain in the afternoon and who wants rain on a Monday? It's not the best way to to start the week. Not been a good start for me. Well, it wasn't a good end to the week for me yesterday. Now, I know that officially the week starts on Sunday. For me, it's always Monday, so I'm sticking with that. I woke up yesterday. Well, I first, first of all, I woke up at around 0600 hours, couldn't sleep, managed to get back to some sort of nap status for just under a couple of hours, then I woke up again and I thought, well, I'm going to get up. I don't know if I got up too quickly, but suddenly the room started spinning around violently and I have suffered from vertigo in the past and I thought, oh no, not this again, because not only do you have the room spinning and that dizziness, but there's the nausea and if like me, you, you might be one of those people who isn't great at being sick. You can't just stick your fingers down your throat and get on with your day. And I was speaking to my aunt about this uh, about an hour ago because uh, she hadn't heard from me and finally caught up with me and I told her what had happened. And uh, she reminded me that I was always really bad at being um, physically sick, that my mum would have to hold my head and hold my hair because obviously I was a long haired writer, ponce. So she'd have to keep my hair out of my eyes and uh, supervise the puking. Then there was a a bit of a, a change, a, a pivotal moment in how I deal with nausea was July 94 when I got sick. This was nothing to do with vertigo. This was about a year before I first had vertigo. I got sick. I'd had too much paella. It was back in the days when I was still eating prawns. And I remember it because I think it was the day after my dad's birthday. And I went into that picture library that I was working in that summer. And uh, the French guy was the best work colleague I've ever had. He told me, just go out and get some Perrier. And obviously I was living at home. Perrier was realistic. Although at the time, Perrier had just had a health scare, I think, in the early 90s. So it was just making its way back from that. It was something that really affected the brand for a while. But, you know, I could afford to take the hit on the Perrier. I was at home living rent-free back in those days. Irresponsible of me might have made my mum's life easier if she'd had a bit more discipline with me and if I'd been a bit more responsible and appreciated what paying some rent while I was at home might have done for her and, you know, might have prolonged her life. Anyway, let's just get back to the nausea. So the sparkling water, I had it to hand yesterday. Thankfully, I had a couple of bottles in reserve. Today, I've actually gone out and bought five bottles. And can you believe this? I've just been distracted here. I've had an email. All I was doing uh, about five minutes ago, I was looking at a book on eBay 
And straight away, I've had a prompt from eBay about the book. This is listed by such and such a person, an experienced eBay seller. All I was doing was browsing. You know, eBay trying to tempt me. It's not going to work. Not going to work. I've got priorities here. Let me get back to the nausea. So uh, hard swallow. I woke up with this vertigo and I immediately turned on my side and clutched held on for dear life to the to the significant toggage on the bed, though my big beast at the moment, I'm keeping that in reserve. Normally that's on the bed since, you know, from around September. But this year I removed it from the bed around July and I'm not bringing it back in until November. It's going to be the indoor winter coat effectively. So I can, you know, feel the benefit during the winter of that extra layer. But I was holding on to the bedding and the room was spinning. I got up a couple of hours later feeling terrible, checked the fridge for some sparkling water first of all, was relieved to find I had two bottles in reserve plus half a bottle that had been open. So I was sipping from that through the morning and I just thought I'll have to ride this out. It's happened before. It started happening around 1995 and through the uh, mid-90s I was dogged by it and it changed the way I slept as well because normally I used to be someone that could sleep on their back. Nowadays, I'm on my side. I cannot sleep on my back. I can maybe fall asleep nowadays with something in my ears if I've got four pillows keeping me elevated. But when I remove the top two pillows and I'm trying to get to sleep, it has to be on my side. In the mid-90s, I used to be a bit more relaxed about wearing earphones and having the music on loud despite the uh, frequent earache. And also around the mid-90s, I started getting into radio in a big way. I was doing my radio journalism course. And I'm pretty sure I've told this story before. There was one time when I was in the uh, college studio and one of my fellow students brought in an ad into the show that we were doing, brought in an ad without telling me that she was doing it. And it was so loud. And later that same week, that was the first time I had one of these... uh, dizzy spells and suddenly that winter it became a thing and a year later I remember 1996 there was a spell where I had vertigo for nine days on the spin if you pardon the pun and I had real motion sickness I was having to hold on to things as I was walking and that happened here yesterday and it happened today and of course you know living on my own I'm thinking well I don't want to be falling I don't want to be having a fall here there are stairs in the flat if I fall who's going to find me That stuff's not meant to happen for another 30, 40 years if I get that far. So it was disappointing that this has happened again. It happened again. It returned about seven years ago, and it was dealt with by the balance clinic at a local hospital. And they were the ones who kept telling me. And I I, I was I'm so slow with these things. I couldn't quite tig. Tig? I couldn't quite twig. What is tig? What's going on? I couldn't twig as to the direction they were trying to take me and how they were maybe trying to change me, trying to improve my life. But they clearly felt that it was stress-related. And looking back, it was, but I just appreciated that fact too late. And this morning, because I had another bout of vertigo again when I tried to get up this morning, and I really struggled to get out of bed. It was really difficult. And I was up for an hour, and then I thought, I've got to go back to bed. It ruined my morning. I've got to go back to bed and lie down. This was after I'd called a GP uh, practice and asked for a call back. I'd gone back to bed. I'm lying down. I've forgotten what I was saying now. I think that was the tig that threw me. So I called anyway. I was feeling I was feeling nauseous again. And uh, the GP 
said it was likely to be stress-related. He prescribed me some pills and some video exercises, which he sent through, which I'm not to do until I've got past the bout of vertigo, giving me enough tablets in case it happens again. I'm to take uh, the same course of tablets all over again, just repeat the course. So I've got to take one to three a day. I've taken one at the moment. It seems to have improved things. Fresh air definitely helps. But I'd gone back to bed waiting for the callback and just thinking I was so up for today. Prior to the first bout of vertigo yesterday, I was so up for today because I'm really excited about a project that I'm working on one of my, well, one of several projects, but this is one I hope to have done by Christmas. And it's really got me going creatively. And so it's been a bit of a wasted day. I did manage to work on it, but not in the way that I wanted to. And yes, going back to the balance clinic, they were trying to push me in the direction of meditating and trying to find ways to relax, which is probably not going to be possible with these guys. Just let these clowns drive past. At least that one seems genuine because it started from uh, way before the building. One of the few genuine police sirens to wreck the show. So I felt, I don't know, I don't actually necessarily feel better when I meditate. I think the breathing exercises, I think there's something in that. I do believe that... These things, I certainly believe there is a link between, you know, being overworked, being stressed and this issue. But uh, I'm just someone that can't nail the meditating. I think I kind of try to do that when I run. I try to switch off. Ideally, when I'm running, I want to try and get into some sort of mental zone. Quite often, I have some really positive thoughts when I'm running. I'll come to that in a minute. I've got the pills anyway. And at the moment, I think I'm feeling okay. I think I'm going to head out for my Monday run. I think I'll need it. Also had a, hadn't eaten anything this morning. So I might've overdone lunch, the uh, uh, granola actually, and yogurt granola, because my go-to cereal is um, scarce at the moment and little, certainly uh, supply issues with that. But, you know, this is it with uh, these supply issues that we're currently having in the UK. Can't get my favorite cereal? Not a problem. Go to another one. And in, in a way, once these supply issues are resolved, maybe sometime in 2022, I'll find myself with a broader range of cereals and granolas that I like, and I'll be spoilt for choice. So, the fresh air, I took a walk this morning because I had to go to the pharmacy and then I went to the cafe and it certainly helped on the GP said it will help you, you know, taking a walk because you're going to be focused on something else. Your mind's going to be occupied and uh, going to go for the run now. I did four laps on Friday evening, which uh, came to 13K. The third lap really killed me. I don't know why the third lap was harder than the fourth lap because they were all the same laps. I broke through the pain barrier on the third lap. And they were fast laps for me anyway, 16 minutes on average per lap going round the full perimeter of the park, unlike some of the other runners. There was a guy, there was a guy I found really useful. I think it was on the third or fourth lap. I just tucked in behind him. He was about 20 meters ahead of me all the time. I was able to keep pace. Didn't need to close that gap. I knew at some point he wasn't going around the perimeter of the park. He was cutting through at some point. And, and to be fair, some of those cut throughs, there is one which leads to an uphill run, which dwarfs whatever climbs I do. And I, I don't think I'll ever be ready for that. But uh, 
I felt good. The only thing about Friday was I was trying to, because Friday is the day I do the big run because it carries me through for the weekend. I was hoping that I'd at some point get into the zone and start thinking creatively, but maybe I was just too aware of it. Maybe I wanted it too badly because those thoughts weren't quite coming through. What I will say is there are times when it feels like I'm in a dream when I'm running. You know, it feels like I'm gliding at times. And that comes some minutes after the first climb when suddenly I start feeling the benefit of running downhill. In fact, I'm just coming off the downhill stretch and I've hit a flat stretch and your body starting to feel a bit better until the next climb. I'm trying to run a bit more on the paths at the moment. The idea behind that is just to get my joints prepped for the winter running as the trails start to get waterlogged. It's much harder I think to run. I mean, if the grass is short, I think it's much easier to run on grass. Obviously, if the you know if the grass is uh, lush, then that drains the energy. But I do find it, I think, quite hard to run on concrete because I'm just not used to it, and it does take a toll on the joints. Also, with the winter running, the downside is uh, I've got to get out there earlier. So I know that, for example, this evening I've got to be out of, out there by 1700 hours. Just looking to do a 6k this evening. But I lose part of my route during the winter because those trails are waterlogged. So I, you know, I have to work in extra chunks to make sure I'm still running the same distances. I have to work out if I'm going to do some of the nights running on the streets that I was doing last year. Hopefully not. I think last year I was doing that because I was bogged down. If the man claims me, it may be that I do have to do the night running. You know, I was getting lost last year on some of those night runs going through streets I'd never seen before that are actually local to me, but I've never had the curiosity to go through them. And then there was, I think, a couple of occasions where I took a long route and the hill took about eight minutes to climb. And it was just such a shock to the system. On Friday, as I say, I was trying to get mentally into the zone. And sometimes I can do that you know, and I've come to value those moments where you find yourself thinking creatively and I can, you know, I can come back to the flat and before I do the warm down in the flat, because I'm not doing the warm down in the park because of all the dog muck, I come into the flat, I remove my trainers, I clean everything. First of all, I wash my hands, then I clean, you know, the phone for the running app, I get an anti-back wipe and clean the armband as well, clean everything that needs to be cleaned chuck the running clothes in the wash, wash my hands again, then I will write down all the creative thoughts that I've had on that run, if I've had them, and often I do. And it doesn't matter if some of them are uh, are unusable. The important thing is to get them down and see if I can do anything with them. And, you know, often, as I say, they're good. But Friday, knowing I was going for a big run, I just couldn't get into that zone. Those positive thoughts remained out of my reach. Maybe I was just thinking too much about it but still the run the run was decent the run was decent I don't know how I build on the 13k I think I've done 14 or 15 before but that was by making it extra boring and I'm not sure I've got that in me this winter but I would like to maybe add another 3k to that I think it would uh, mentally it would be good for me but it's just whether I can and maybe whether I'm just happy and satisfied with where I am right now moving on all this stuff in the media this last week about uh you know the the shortages and the shops which there are clearly shortages but I, I don't think we need to panic just yet perhaps but this this business 
over the last week about uh, kids might not get what they want this Christmas because of the lack of HGV drivers. For me, I think that might actually be an unexpected boon because at least I can then pin the lack of presence on that driver shortage this year. I can hide behind that. Let me give you the books situation this week. I told you, I think on the Patreon show, 253, I think it was that one I told you about uh, my struggle with Claire North's The Pursuit of William Abbey. Well, I abandoned it 150 pages from the end. The first book I've abandoned since A Tale of Two Cities or The Tale of Two Cities, whatever it was called, that Charles Dickens book. I am slurring today. I'm aware of it. I'm just not uh, feeling very sharp. I could not finish this book. It was that boring for me. And the reading anchors me, but I've been barely reading the last 10 days because I was stuck on this book. And I thought, this is unhealthy. What am I battling through this for? There are so many books out there to read. And I read a piece in The Guardian, this columnist, uh, I can't remember her name. She'd written something. And I think it was, she'd written about, I think it was Philip Pullman had mentioned that he doesn't waste time with books. If they're not grabbing him, he just throws them and starts something else and she was talking about feeling an obligation to a book once you've started it that's exactly how I feel and I feel guilty but I read that and I thought yeah that stayed in my mind I'd read it a few days ago and then last night I just thought I can't no Saturday evening I can't finish this book The Pursuit of William Abbey and I'm not going to beat myself up over it I'm not gonna try and revisit it at some point it belongs to Wandsworth Library so it's still in the flat because I can't get to Wandsworth Library except I think on Thursdays or Fridays when I do I will return it to uh, Battersea Library but uh, yeah I'm not going to waste time reading that so I'm now reading George Mann's Wickwood which is a fairly easy read I think I've said that right Wickwood I've only just realized it's the first of two books and I can't find the sequel anywhere, not in any of my libraries. It's on eBay, actually, which is why I got that prompt on eBay about a quarter of an hour ago. George Mann has written and edited some good Sherlock Holmes pastiches and anthologies and is also behind the uh, supernatural steampunk books featuring the detective duo uh, Sir Morris Newbury and Miss Veronica Hobbs, which I really like, set in uh, Victorian London. I am quite into my steampunk. I was into it before I actually knew what it was. I normally don't uh, respond to uh, silly genre names like that, but uh, I really do uh, enjoy this guy's writing and his pastiche novels are, are, are very good as well. So uh, actually, I need to give you the blurb for this book, which I haven't done. Let me just dig it out. I'm surprised uh, he's got quite a few books out and I'm surprised that um, let me I'm just basically I am padding this out. I could just pause the recording here until I find this for you, but I'm just going to try and uh, I can't even spell this now. I was trying to look for how to pronounce Wickwood and I found this website and I clicked on the speaker icon and it was spelling Wickwood rather than telling me how to pronounce it but the second site I came to actually told me how to pronounce it and now okay where is the book section trying to do this show as live really want to minimize the editing okay here we go Wickwood book one after losing her job and her partner in one fell swoop journalist Elspeth Reeves 
now I've lost this. Where's the blurb for this book? I clicked on something. Okay, here we go again. After losing her job and her partner in one fell swoop, journalist Elspeth Reeves is back in her mother's house in the sleepy village of Willsby under Wickwood, wondering where it all went wrong, aren't we all? Then a body is found in the neighbouring Wickwoods, a woman ritually slaughtered with cryptic symbols scattered around her corpse. Elspeth recognises... This screen is jumping about. I need to update the drivers on this. Elspeth recognises these from a local myth of the Carrion King, a Saxon magician who once held a malevolent court deep in the forest. As more murders follow, Elspeth joins her childhood friend, D.S. Peter Shaw, to investigate, and the two discover sinister village secrets harking back decades. Easy enough read. What's bothering me about this book is that it starts with her returning to her mum. She's broken up with her boyfriend who's been cheating on her. And it's clear that something's going to happen between her and her old friend, this uh, detective sergeant. And I'm just thinking, you know, I think you need time on your own, you know, when you have a breakup. And I know in her breakup, she's the innocent party, but I don't think it's going to be fair on this guy. Clearly something's going to happen between them. Is he the rebound? That's the danger. Is he her rebound? You know, why can't they solve this case without something happening between them physically? You know, that's where my thinking is right now. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available episode 354. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegg, facebook.com forward slash DRT. Available. Find all my work at danielruiztyson.com. There are PayPal and coffee.com links on there if you don't want to commit to the Patreon page and you feel generous enough to maybe make a, a one-off donation to the show. There are links at the website, danielruiztyson.com. Of course, the Patreon page, which is what keeps this podcast returning, that can be found at Patreon dot com forward slash drt available the easiest way to support this show two patreon bonus uh, podcasts so far this month and we're only halfway through october 80 minutes worth of extra content for those patreon supporters i thank you guys for continuing to support this show sign up at patreon.com forward slash drt available there are several tiers of support there including the all-in-one tier which gives you access to both this show and uh, when shorts were short any exclusive content or early access for either of those shows and that tier will get those shows to you i've nailed the thermostat i finally nailed it uh, patron listeners will know what i'm talking about last winter i think the winter before that as well i wasn't using the boiler properly you know being on my own i'm conscious of having the boiler on the timer i wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to afford that basically if it was just coming on every day. So I was switching the boiler off and then just switching it on whenever I wanted to, you know, a blast of the heating, you know, rationing the uh, the heating. I didn't realize that it had to be done via the thermostat. So I couldn't understand the thermostat. 
there were issues with the thermostat relating to the fact that uh, that I had Powland batteries in there. Long story short, I put in some Duracell batteries in there, but in playing around with the thermostat, something had gone wrong. I'd reset everything. I needed to call the company up. I called them. It took three calls to actually understand what they were talking about. The second call, I spoke to a guy called Steve, young voice Steve. He sounded like he was about 30. In fact, he's 60 years old, been working in the same job, well, the same line of work for 42 years. He told me he was breaking everything down very simply, but I told him I am not a normal person. I don't grasp things that easily, especially when they involve numbers. He said, well, you know, if you need uh, need to speak to me again, you can. I said, well, how am I going to be lucky enough to call this number again and uh, managed to come through to you said well there's only three of us here so just ask for me which is what I did the following day inevitable I would call him again and I think he probably expect uh, expected me to call him again the following day but I've got it nailed down now if I'm still marooned here next winter I'm sure that I will have forgotten all over again how to use this because um you know, it's. I guess it's simple, but it's not simple for me. These things just aren't simple. It's basically all down to the thermostat. You control the temperature with the thermostat, unlike how I was um, I was trying to do it. It's only taken me four years uh, to work that out. There was a Brixton bus story that irked me last week, which I, I tweeted about. Um, see if I can find it. I might have I've probably got rid of the page. Let me see if I can bring it up. It was uh, relating to, what was it relating to? It was relating to the new stations. There we go. The new stations, the uh, Northern Line extensions. The extension, which uh, just so much fanfare for this, took so long. And in the end, I mean, I'm, I'm just really surprised there's so much fanfare attached to this, given that it's just two extra stops and only runs every 12 minutes. And basically, it's uh, something that's uh, being held called the Line of Light Festival, which is going to be a landmark celebration of the historic opening of the Northern Line extension. Uh, you know, they then use the word game changer. Uh, this is uh, a post by Wandsworth Council. And uh, this light festival along the route of the tunnels, What's it's uh, supposed to be a great example of how we can strengthen and build new connections between our diverse communities, old and new. And I wasn't buying that. This, It's not a diverse community anymore. If it can still be classified as a diverse community, then it's a significantly less diverse community than it was at the start of the last decade, because the arrival of the cranes has pushed so many people out. The station is a great thing. The the Nine Elm station, it is a great thing. It's brilliant for people to have that opportunity, but that opportunity has only come about because of the new people coming in, because of the American embassy deal and because of the gentrification. It's not been done for the natives. Similarly, on Stockwell Road, SW9, they're now building, a, rather than now about to open a co-op under some new luxury flats that have been built overlooking the skateboard park. Co-op, I don't use co-op. I've always found them pricey. I've got one near me, and there have been times in my life where that's been my default supermarket and not for long, but it's been my default supermarket. But I just find you're always paying over the odds in there. But anyway, there's now going to be a co-op opening up by um, by the skateboard park. 
Now, historically, it's a dump of an area, so I've got nothing against that area being spruced up, ideally without luxury flats. Just some new builds would be fine. They don't need they don't need to be luxury builds. They just need to be warm, you know, like houses maybe used to be for a period. And it's interesting for me because it's such a it's been such a rundown area of that part of Stockwell. I think up until now, a place like that might not have a chance of succeeding, but clearly it will now because it's uh, been built with the uh, the gentrifiers, the recently arrived latest wave of gentrifiers. It's been built for them, but it will be interesting to see how the locals deal with it. I think my my issue with these things is they're just never built for the natives. It's always, okay, well, if the natives are still here, if they've managed to hang on to their social housing or if they're lucky enough to have owned their property or had it passed down to them by deceased parents, well, then, you know, they're welcome to use it. But, you know, they'll probably be okay still using the Iceland or one of the 100 or so Sainsbury's locals that have opened up in recent years. But uh, we don't really want them in co-op. It's uh, It'll be interesting to see what else opens under that, uh, by that uh, stretch of uh, this development by the skateboard park, because there are a, a number of uh, retail units under there. And uh, well, look, if it if it brightens up the area, all well and good. But uh, you know, I just want to say to these people, I've got your number. You're not doing that for the likes of me. We know why you're doing it. We're not stupid. Some of us know why this stuff is happening and has happened okay enough waffling let me give you the uh, nectar points for this week quite a few sainsbury's receipts i think with my escalating stress i've probably been shopping too much i don't feel i can go out without bringing something back to the flat okay so my opening balance was three four nine i spent seven pounds five pence i bought some semi-skimmed long life milk i bought a single orange you know the usual top up i had to buy some sweeteners which are pricey, £5.60, although I don't have sweeteners that much now. I'm really pleased with the way I've phased them out of my coffee, though I do still have them sometimes in the cafe. That's my, that's kind of my treat. I've got the distinctive yellow Splendor dispenser. I wish for people in my situation who travel with their sweeteners, I wish there was a, maybe a flesh-colored Splendor that... I would just be able to secrete in the palm of my hand and no one would be able to spot it. But instead, I'm having to go in with this bright yellow dispenser. And maybe it wouldn't be such a big deal if I was open about my use with it, but I'm always trying to hide it. And I think I'm, I'm sure they've spotted the flash of yellow over the years and just maybe they even call me uh, the sweetener guy. <laughs> that guy brings his own sweetener. Sweetener guy. But, you know, the good thing is, I'm not sure what that sound was there. That was... Uh, might bring that up with the uh, voice therapist speaking to her on uh, Thursday. I think it was a kind of, uh, but much quieter. I'll mention it to her. And uh, I paid over the odds for the Halls Sugar Free. I could get it cheaper in Superdrug. They do it for 54p. And I got talked into getting one of those Superdrug reward cards a couple of weeks ago. But what I don't like about using the Superdrug reward card is they handle the reward card. They've got no self-checkout, so you're having to hand your card over. And, you know, in the pandemic age, you don't really want to be doing that. Points earned today on £7.5, uh, just seven nectar points, uh, taking me up to 356 points. Points are worth £1.78. That wouldn't even get me a crap Star Wars action figure. 
on eBay. Wouldn't even buy me a reserve on there. Um, which uh, brings me as a kind of segue to Star Wars football. And the news is that there's not much news because it was such a long week that I've only managed to play one game. And that was last night. And the motivation for playing that is simply so I could have something to talk about on today's show. So it was an FA Cup last 16 tile division two clash between Moncala and Lothu Minor. Lothu Minor raced into a 2-0 lead at halftime. Moncala came back with a couple of goals after the break. And uh, then there was a late winner for Lothu Minor there, the first second division club this season to make it into the quarterfinals. So that's it. There's another all second division clash in the FA Cup. That might be tonight if I'm feeling okay. That's between Takadan and Hosnian Prime. Then we've got the Empire versus Hoth Derby clash. That's the all first division clash. And uh, X-Wing then are away to Ord Montel. Can't read my writing there. And that will complete the draw. Uh, that will complete the last 16 of the FA Cup, really dragging my feet over that. So again, been reading less and playing fewer Star Wars football games. Clearly, something's going wrong at the moment with me. In terms of the cafe, not much to report. A lot of that went into the Patreon bonus last week. That was quite a, a lengthy uh, trip to the cafe. And on Friday, last Friday, owing to how busy the cafe was, I had to wait for my table. I had to wait at the bar for for uh, for a table to become free. Phil Collins, she was back. I think she uh, took a look at my uh, new underwhelming haircut and uh, she'd had a holiday. I think the mullet's on holiday now. Anyway, a four-seater became free facing the TV. Well, I didn't need to face the TV. I could have faced the other way, which I should have because then I'd have had more to report to you this week, but I instead sat with my back to all the action but I did get a lot of work done as a result. So that was the plus point of that. My first latte arrived lukewarm. Also, again, still too much froth for my liking. Occasionally with the lattes, I don't know whether that's just designed to get me out of the um, cafe sooner rather than later. Not Mick was, uh, was sat at a four-seater. I think this was Thursday or Friday. I can't remember which. He was sat at a four-seater with asks for big favour. I got out of that favour, by the way, by changing my arrival times for a few weeks, uh, switched them up. And then uh, when I saw him last week, I again, I called his bluff. I offered him the favour, but he'd already found someone else with a favour. But I think I got out of it really well and uh, he doesn't uh, suspect that it was deliberate on my part. Also joining them, also completing the uh, desperate triumvirate of cafe regulars was man with woman's voice. He was there. Not Mick is having his own housing issues, but he has been offered something by the council, which is more than I have. He had a decent haircut, by the way. Not Mick. Uh, fair play to him. Brushed back to create volume. His hair's all white to create volume and the illusion that he's not proceeding. He always has a very finely trimmed white stubble as well. He was there with his laptop and its original box. This morning, late start for me, owing to the vertigo and then having to pick up the pills in the pharmacy. There was a guy in there asking for a lateral flow test and people instinctively backed away from him. I managed to, when I finally got into the cafe around uh, the cafe, don't be such a, don't be so uncouth, cafe, the cafe, urinal, urinal. I managed to get not mixed table and about 20 minutes, 30 minutes after I arrived, Argentina 78 arrived. He kept talking. He's, he's trying to get me interested in Bitcoin. 
I don't even understand that stuff. You know, I can barely understand the thermostat. Look how long it's taken me to understand the thermostat. And, uh, you know, he was asking me why um, I'm not doing Substack and Medium. I told him I've done both. They've done nothing for me. He, he gave me the name of another site today, which is supposed to be different. It's called Mirror. And he gave me the URL for it, said it's part of the Web3, whatever that is. None, none of that makes sense to me. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not giving away even more free content. How does that help me? Normally, our exchanges end when his lunchtime sandwich order arrives. Not today. On arriving, I saw Seb K. This is today. I saw Seb K having a big emotional handshake with Mr. Tight Blue Suit, one of the many notorious pre-pandemic non-hand-washing regulars who've haunted the cafe over the last 20 years. When the importance of hand-washing became apparent to the likes of Mr. Tight Blue Suit and all the other non-hand-washers, you know, when, when the importance of hand-washing became known in the early stages of the pandemic to these dirty people, I wonder if they ever had the honesty to think, actually, I wasn't even doing that pre-COVID. Is that what I was meant to be doing? How wrong was I? Did the importance of hand washing register for these guys? Sure enough, half an hour in, Mr. Tight Blue Suit gave me my answer, wrecked the gents, and uh, if he washed his hands, he must have broken the world record for speed hand washing because he was out through those wafting swing saloon doors as quickly as the pre-pandemic days. Some things will never change. And that is it. That is the end of uh, this week's show. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. It is 16.40 hours and I am checking out. Keep washing those hands. Keep ventilating too. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson and this start of the week I have been available. <laughs>